Table Talk is not your typical D&D TTRPG podcast. We are not here to run you through our whole campaign. We're here to talk about everything else in the space of Table Talk. I'm your host, Alejandra Wilhelm. And I'm also your host, Mariah Gresham. And we're your tabletop roleplay girlies. And we are live back with another great episode of Table Talk. Um, today, we're joined by a very, very special guest. Um, would you like to give us a lovely introduction? Sure. Hello, I'm Erin, and everybody sort of knows me online as Erin My Laundry. I'm a cozy horror streamer, I'm a tabletop writer, and the founder of the TTRPG Collective. Hell yeah! <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, did you have more? I'm, uh, I am lovely, and I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I love like the comments. You're like, sign. I'm moon and rising sign. Like, I'm the lovely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is your I'm social really nice. security number? <laughs> yeah, right? Like, uh. <laughs> um, we, uh, have met Aaron, uh, pretty much since like the beginning of our little, little podcast. Uh, when we joined Threads, you were like one of the first people I think I connected with on there. Um, really? and we're really like the first people that were yeah. like, these girls are cool. And like started interacting with us. Mm-hmm. Um, you have since started, um, the TTRPG collective, which is such a cool project. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how that started and how it's going? Yeah. So, um, just a cool little announcement. We might actually hit 300 members today. We're at 294 <gasps> and I've That's got so like, cool five new ones today. Yeah. So um, thank you. So we started the first week of October. It was just sort of a a weird like pipe dream that happened on threads where I said, I kind of want to like dive into the tabletop space and kind of like help people support each other because I'm a community manager in my day job. And um, what do you all think about that? And everyone's like, do it, make a discord. And so I did. And it's a place for people in and adjacent to the tabletop roleplay game industry to just share ideas, collaborate, support, provide um, services. There's games that are being written. There's jams that are being had. Um, there are voice chats and educational panels happening. And it's just a really cool place to just like kind of stick it to the D&D man, I guess. It's <laughs> It's just a really fun yeah, place yeah, for yeah. indie people to like actually engage in people power. And I just, I love it. Yeah. That's I creep on amazing. the, uh, like the writing sub channels a lot. And it's like they help, like people help hold each other accountable and they set their little like due dates when their things are due. And I'm like, this is very cool. I've not yeah. jumped into writing anything yet, but I was like, I, I love that. Cause it's like an all year NaNoWriMo vibe. It is. It really is. So good. I love it there. Yeah. And it's gotten bigger than me. Like it, it's almost at 300 and we have a website being made and like we're kind of branching out into having one shots happen on Twitch. And it's just really, it. I, I'm very proud of it and I really just believe in it. Yeah. You're doing such incredible work on there. And then um on top of, is that also like where you met like the late Narcana people? Yeah. That? Yeah, I did. Cool. It was, um, nice. it was, it was a mixture of that. And one of them showed up on my partner's channel, Evandale and happens to like recognize that I am the tabletop person, the tabletop collective person, and then he is the Evandale person. 
And then he he's the artist for Leighton Arcana. And then he went back to his team and was like, y'all have to check them out. And then we just took off from there. They're fabulous people. Like Leighton Arcana yeah. games are just the best. Incredible. We just got off a call with them about our own website. Thanks to yeah. you helping us make that connection. <laughs> because yeah, like that. I love the aspect. One, the community is always just like so incredibly supportive. And you've really kind of amassed like that sweet spot of a bunch of people coming together and like really helping each other out and stuff like that. And it, it's, it's incredible. But on top of that, like, you're I, I feel like it it's so helpful. And aligned with a lot of what we're currently doing when we're meeting with other creators, where we're just kind of like, hey, we all have like different sets of skills that we can help each other with. And like, you know, for me and Mariah, we're like very business oriented Mm -hmm. people because of our day jobs. And we've treated this like passion projects as a business. And I love sharing that aspect with people that like they have the passion, but maybe not the know how of like how Mm -hmm. to start pursuing that as like a career yeah. or a business or a side or they just or whatever. didn't consider it which is yeah because there's so it. much that goes into it when you're first starting something like you don't always consider like the legal ramifications of whatever you're doing yeah that's something yeah. that my partner was actually just talking to me about with ha- wanting to develop his world and he was like i want to do market research but i don't know how to like who to ask for this or that or whatever and i was like that that's Me. what the and I keep saying like that's what the yeah that's what I like that's what I do but <laughs> but also like that's what the collective is for and that's what like branching out and getting to know people and then you then you remember like oh I know if I ever need any Candela Obscura help it's Johnny I know it's if Johnny. I ever want to talk to yeah it's just Johnny and I know that if I ever need any help with um if I ever need any experience like anecdotal experience of like women in the gaming space I can rely on you too I know mm-hmm. that if mm-hmm. I ever need any podcasting help i can rely on you too and like um nate from aarpgs i can rely on for tech questions and audio questions and it's just it's so it just made so much sense to have everybody just like have a hub of sharing yeah. that that knowledge and like yeah. why wouldn't just we a continue to build to that yeah and like bring more people in and make it exactly. more and more of a dynamic thing yeah exactly. like i love use the term like mutual aid for it a lot. And I love that term. And I feel like that tie like puts a bow on it. So in such a lovely way of <laughs> yeah. it's just like everyone bringing the things that either they know how to do, or they're like weird hyper fixations of the moment or things they do in their day job or like, and just throwing it all in there. And it's like, probably at some point this will be useful to somebody. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's definitely the thing that I hate about capitalism the hate the thing that i hate about like the game the game commodifying the game industry is it's like literally taking people's passions and like giving it a value a monetary value and sometimes that just does that can't work then and especially if you're running up against big conglomerate companies like you know you know so um (laughs) yeah so if you have like people who are like i want to do this but I don't know how to do this thing. Like what you were saying, Mariah, about like, I don't know the legal, I don't know how to do things like legally. You make friends with somebody who is a lawyer and Mm -hmm. then you offer that lawyer, if they have the ability and the spoons for it, they can not give you legal advice, but give you like resources of where to go. tools and resources Mm -hmm. to kind of where to start kind of working Mm -hmm. that avenue. Yeah. And I think it's also important. And I think one of the biggest helpful tips I can provide people is like, learn how to provide value when you're asking for like a service back. 
So yeah. everybody has a, like a, a variety of skills and maybe, yeah, you're not the most business savvy or you're not this, but like, if you are an artist and you like drawing, there's plenty of people in this community and hobby that are like, I would kill for some fucking character art and like mm-hmm. learn how to exchange those skills for, you know, adding value and not just asking for, for the help without at least giving something in turn, because then that I think always leaves you in a positive light and a positive relationship yeah. with that person. Yeah, and it leaves you exactly. in a positive light and it also makes it so much easier to ask for help because it always feels kind of weird and awkward and smarmy to just mm-hmm. be like, hey, can you do a thing for me? But when <laughs> yeah. you can offer like something in exchange or offer something first and then somebody can reciprocate, that's for all us neurodivergent babies, which is the majority of the hoes in this mm-hmm. community. <laughs> That makes it so much easier. Exactly. It's not like what shiny rock am I giving? (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) But that's um, part, like one of the things that you touched on that I loved is um, the exchanging of skills is super important. And with all the layoffs happening in the video game industry, you see, and then when you see like all the job openings of people that are only looking for senior or lead roles, and you're like, how the fuck am I supposed to get my foot in the door? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we that we did in the collective to resolve that, which because it's kind of the holiday and a year, we're slow a little bit, but we decided to start a to write a game. So there, there was a game, an adventure being written by collective members, and anybody can join at any time and get credit for their work. And you don't have to know anything about what you want to do. So if I don't have any art experience, but I've always wanted to try, I can go in there and there are artists that are working on it that will, that know that by joining with experience, you are going to be teaching people. And now you, when you are done, you have a credit in art that you can add to your portfolio. That's really cool. That is so cool. I just, I I love everybody. It's, it takes like a really special, like, I'm all my papers just fell. It takes like a, it's like all of my D and D notes. Um, it takes like a really special, like kind of community to kind of like table the idea, table the idea that, um, <laughs> you are going to make an exorbitant amount of money in order to help your fellow human. And it's sort of yeah. like this whole, if one of us gets hit, we all roll initiative. And I mm-hmm. love that vibe. I think we felt that at PAX U a lot too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. For sure. And mm-hmm. both in those, in those events and also online, like, uh, like for example, not to get spicy and topical, but the layoffs, uh, at Watsi and mm-hmm. the way the community has like rallied around those that are, are now unfortunately not no longer employed or are going to be no longer employed soon mm-hmm. by them are like, Hey, these are talented individuals, really core people that for whatever reason they're deciding to let go. Um, but just pushing that out there so that they are able to go find jobs still within the industry and like support them. Um, Mm -hmm. and I love the way that the community like rallies every time there has been an event similar to that, um, to help support those creators in their, in their careers and their aspirations, both as like industry professionals down to like the tiniest, you know, person in the industry type type Mm -hmm. deal yeah it's very it's super inspiring i just i love it here (laughs) the indie scene is like the the best the best part of the tabletop Mm -hmm. industry in my opinion yeah it's also such a huge well of creativity because 
every single person I feel like we interact with since starting this podcast, like people that are making indie TTRPGs or doing art or running actual plays and GMing and all that stuff. I'm like, and PAX, I feel like was the biggest, like a mass of that because now getting Mm -hmm. to interact with those people in person, I was like, I am overwhelmed by like creativity that of all these people around me. And I got home and I was like, I need to create everything. Like I started drawing again, which I hadn't done for a while. And like, I like, it's so good. And I love it. Yeah. And I didn't feel like it was, there was no sense of competition. Like, um, for example, the other channel that my partner and I run, Ink Got Crit on Twitch is like a variety indie, like punk tabletop channel. And that is much, very much aligned with the same kind of vibe that Roll D5 has. There's no competition. We all support each other. And I mm-hmm. love that because it, it just, it's such a, um, it's, it, I feel like it flabbergasts people that are in like <laughs> those big corporate like mindset mm-hmm. where you have to, you have to produce like top tier content to be like legitimate and has to make millions of dollars and you don't you just have to be genuine like imagine that that you can just yeah. be a very genuine vulnerable squishy human and everybody can support each other mm-hmm. yeah and that was really interesting i think i know i'll speak i know for sure for myself and i think ollie also for you coming from a business background like not necessarily gaming industry but from our like day jobs and then going into doing this a bit more seriously where you do have to kind of stop and it's like, oh, wait, no, like everyone's genuine and people are genuinely excited about what you're doing and we're excited about what they're doing. And like, there's no weird undercurrent of competition or I feel like I, you feel like you have to like spear point an industry or like whatever, you know, you (laughs) played the like bingo in your (laughs) monthly meetings, whatever people are saying in your corporate jobs. And it's just, it's so interesting. And also kind of healing for people who are, who are more used to oh, that. And it's like, no, you could, it can just be a safe space that you do things you love and exist in and enjoy genuinely. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. It's so, it's, it's so, I could talk about this for hours and that, cause that's my day job is community manager and coming from Neopets, that was like a, that was like my dream job. And, mm-hmm. The dev team was so not for any like malicious intent, but they were so out of touch with what the audience wanted because they were afraid to talk to the community because of how fiercely loyal they were to the brand. And it really took somebody in a community position or just somebody to get, cause I was, I started as a content intern, just learning about the production process. And I just started talking to people in their discord. And I was just saying like, what, what do you want? Like, what do you want to see more of? And what do you miss about the old Neopets? And what do you want to see in the future? And they were sort of stumped. They were like, no one's really asked us before. And we also don't really want to engage in like the sliminess of like, you know, the potential for the sliminess in the crypto space. And we mm-hmm. also don't want to engage in like, you know, actual currency um, necessarily. We want to support a project we believe in, but we don't feel heard. And that's so valid. And it really mm-hmm. like, it, it just come from my background, having that be having people be understood, especially consumers is like paramount towards the direction of where you're going to go as a creator. And it just made so much sense then that people 
are these creators in at like PAX that were like, we want to hear. They're not trying to like pitch you a game necessarily. They're saying yeah. like, you want to like, hey, let's play a game right now. And then like they bring you in and you play a game and then you just bond and it's a relationship. And it's it takes a lot of time and investment, but it seems to be working out like you said, healing, it's, it seems to be really helping people. A hundred percent. And I think the, I think we've all felt a lot of the shift of like shifting away from like traditional D and D to like opening avenues more towards like the indie TTRPG scene. And I, I think you even shared like the thing today in like our own little discord server of like the, the hashtags that are currently trending and the fact that like TTRPG is technically above Dungeons and Dragons right now. We were all like, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's, spicy. it's a small win, a small spicy win, but it's, it's like, uh, you know, there's, there's so many other avenues to find your fun and where, you know, like I'll have, I'll always, I think, have a soft spot for D and D, but I think especially we didn't really start looking at other systems till we started this podcast. And mm-hmm. once we started, that's when we started kind of branching out. And then, you know, Mariah took on like VTM and then I started watching mm-hmm. a bunch of VTM stuff because I wanted to like figure out yeah. the world and like through interacting with other creators and, you know, realizing all the different systems, like all has been such a great resource for that because they constantly yeah. feature new uh, systems and new games on there from like small, smaller or independent TTRPG pr- producers and stuff. Um, it has been so great and so fun to know that like the ways that we adapted D and D to our playstyle because we didn't feel like it really was for us at mm-hmm. our particular table exists out there from other people that have also seen that gap and like finding other systems that are like a little bit more role play heavy, um, or have different more engaging ways to handle combat. And I'm like, it's just it's it's so good. It's it so was good. also interesting, like when we were at the award ceremony for the game, the gaming awards at PAX, and like seeing all of those TTRPGs, which like the majority of them, I would say I had frankly never heard of before. There was maybe a couple that I knew mm-hmm. by name that I had, I honestly, I don't know about in depth. I have just seen like women are werewolves and I'm like, well, that'll oh. never leave my brain. That that stays with me no. forever. I um, have that one. It's so fun. It looks I really want to play it so bad. It's really fun. It's a yeah, good like, game. Like so many of them that look so cool that I'm like, oh, I've never seen this before. So seeing those new be highlighted. games be highlighted mm-hmm. and be recognized on that big of a stage is was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And you have like people that aren't, they they haven't they're not veterans of the industry. Cassie won best designer and she's only been at this for 2 years. This is her second year. And that was like so inspiring to me because mm-hmm. you don't have to fucking be Gary Gygax. You can be just somebody that just shows up. You can just up. be somebody that makes a good game. Yeah. 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 Or just but- somebody that wants to tell a good story or create something that is just for themselves, you know, like I, I was on a, another podcast earlier today and I was like part of the process for me in terms of like beating the imposter syndrome is I can't ever get to like the point I'll be happy with if I'm not doing it for me. Mm-hmm. And like the, the micro RPG I wrote, which is about love languages, I wrote because I was feeling really shitty about myself and I wanted to feel better about myself. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. 
And in two hours, I wrote a game about love languages. And it's not the best game. It's probably never going to win an award. And it's got maybe seven downloads. But I did it for me. And that was like the best feeling. I was like, okay, now I can actually say I'm a published writer. And it's just really... I love that. It's so it's so cool. And I just loved... Also, I, what is the that, name of that game? Because now I have to play it. <laughs> it's called sure. Among the Pretty Rats. And oh, it's on itch. Pretty, it's for oh, free. Yeah. So it's it's a uh, it's just like a quick one page game about DJs finding out that they are valid as they are. I love, I love that. that. <laughs> I love that. That yeah, is so it's... valid though, because like I think a lot. I think about that a lot from like a novel writing perspective as well. Of like you, you have to, like you will never please everyone, and if you try mm-hmm. to please everyone, then no one, including yourself, will ever be happy. And so it's like, you have to make something that you genuinely want to see in the world and then Mm -hmm. put it out there and trust that other people who will also connect with it will connect with it. And like, that is not easy to do and is scary in its own way. But at least if nothing else, you're being authentic to yourself and the people that like it genuinely enjoy it. And so you don't have that thing of like, I was pretending to be a different person. Are they really going to like what I made (laughs) me? Um because you're being authentic. Exactly. And it's so much easier. It's, I, I think it's easier these days for people to see, cut, like cut through the bullshit. And, mm-hmm. um, there was something that actually I'm going to bring up to my partner when I'm done. Cause I just realized yeah, this was said, there's like this notion that you have to, what you bring is unique to the industry. It's never been done before. It's just this whole unique thing. That's bullshit. There's like five there's, mi- there's ideas or there's, there's only a, f- the yeah. Sun. Exactly. It, but it's Welcome so to much TTRPGs easier. Welcome TTRPGs where you steal from everyone. And yeah, exactly. It's just plagiarism all the way. Um, it's no. highway robbery <laughs> out here. As a I'm trying to list. name characters for a novel. And I was had like, la- like I was at Ollie's this weekend, like on her couch beside her while she was drawing. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm copy pasting names into a note like a psychopath so I can figure out what the <laughs> fuck to name these kitten main characters. Because the names I want to use are already used by other series that I've read, and I can't do that. So I'm trying to find <laughs> better ones. It's yeah, like, it's, it's, like it's... We're all in the void here. <laughs> we're all struggling. But it's like, you don't have to make something completely unique. It's It just has mm-hmm. to be what you, what you... It has to speak to you. And if it doesn't speak to you, and you're just doing it for, like, external, like, validation, that's gonna be... They're gonna... Know. They're going to know. It, they're they're going to know. I just, yeah, it's it's just, it's a very... They're going to know. They're, they're going to know. know. <laughs> it's so, it's, I don't know. It's just, to me, it just feels like it's, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. That's the thing is like, people think that they're going to be like judged so harshly. Uh, just don't be a dick. Like, it's really yeah. that, yeah. it's really that easy. You don't have to be great. You don't have to be perfect, an expert. You don't have to be a master craftsman. You just have to be good. Like just be good and yourself. Good human. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and people will support you. And it it's just I don't know. It it feels like a no brainer now, but you know. Hey, listen, common sense is a rare commodity than we give it credit, to be honest, because there do be some some people out in this world. Um and and keeping that in mind whenever if you do receive like hate or whatever for something that you're like I like like we're really good friends now with like the sovereignly trolls and stuff and they put out a lot of like content around you know like calling out like the feminist origins of like D and stuff 
Um, the sexist origins of D&D. The, the, the misogynistic or, origins Sorry, of not D&D. the feminine. Yeah. The misogynistic <laughs> origins of D&D. My bad. Um, but then doing extremely thorough research. And, like, I've found it so helpful as a DM because I don't know a lot of those origins of, like, the traditional stuff. Um, and it's helped me realize, like, oh, okay, I don't really want that in my game or, like, understanding where it comes from and realizing how I can adapt it better. But it's also just super informational lore-wise, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and they receive so much hate online from, like, mm-hmm. mostly men uh, that are not understanding the full context of what they are saying. Because if you listen mm-hmm. to the episodes, it's it's very educational. It's not attacking it in any way. It's just being like, hey we can do better as a community and as a whole. Um, but understanding that like, that's not a reflection on the quality of your work or what you're putting out. Cause they're putting out stuff that genuinely is good. And, like they're passionate about and they do mm-hmm. find their audiences. They do find their people that are like, no, I love this. Um, yeah. And yeah, that vein of like, you will never please everybody. There are some people that exist in this world that just want to like spew hay online and you shouldn't pay them any mind because as long as you're doing the things that you genuinely enjoy and putting out that out there and that you're proud of, you will eventually find your people. And yeah. even if it's not a, equating to a million views or whatever is going to like make you feel valid, honestly, having like a small group of people that genuinely believe in what you're doing and are connecting with that is so much worth like worth so much more um Mm -hmm. because of the impact that you're having and eventually that comes back around and you 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 are following maybe small but then you realize like you really genuinely helped somebody um Mm -hmm. and to me that's worth so much more than anything else absolutely absolutely it's people power is is exactly what it is and it's i just had a um my first like kind of really nervous moment on um, as like the founder of the collective, because we have a um, um, a jam that's happening right now and it's called hope jam. And um, when I talked about it on threads, I was um, there was somebody that reached out and said like, they won't be participating in it because of the like very um, whitewashed and very, um, the very like the very uh complacent liberal mindset of like the meaning behind hope punk and mm-hmm. that sort of and then like how solar punk was kind of um co-opted by nestle with that commercial that they came out when it's kind of like very ironic that yeah you know, nestle comes out with a solar punk yeah. commercial yeah. and all of that made total sense and all of that was incredibly valid um at the end of the day it was really helpful discourse and I don't take it personally. It's not mm-hmm. that person isn't calling me a bad person. That person has a really passionate viewpoint that's different than mine. And that I took the time to try to have, um, and I did have a, have a conversation. I asked for more resources and then I went back and I made sure everybody in the group was aware of this and we talked about it. That's literally the most you can do at the end of the day. Um, That's all you can do is just try to relate and work together. And if something is bad, then it's okay to say that that was wrong and make a mistake and learn from it. And the same with like people that put out like um, opinions that are not great takes in the tabletop world. It's okay to go to actually go back and reflect on that and then be like, 
oh, I actually fucked up. And here's what I learned. And there's like a huge, like, it's really easy to get defensive online and to double down and to also be just very unkind out of fear for not knowing what's happening. And Mm -hmm. like, for example, the people that are super hateful about like, and super misogynist, I can understand that where they're coming from is a place of fear of the unknown of the future of their Mm -hmm. passion. Like they don't know that these changes aren't going to, they're they're not going to ruin their game. They don't know that they really truly believe that their world is rocked by this notion that dungeons can have ramps and combat wheelchairs exist. But the way they're going about it obviously is, you know, there's something to be said about it, but it's a limited perspective. Yes. Of like you and, cannot separate your experience from other people's and let things and have nuance yeah. and mm-hmm. let things coexist. And like it's human nature to be defensive when you were criticized or for that. Like, and that comes back to the thing of like your initial reaction is not necessarily indicative of who you are. It's your second reaction or it's exactly. what you actually do. Mm-hmm. And because, yeah, like it is scary and concerning and anxiety inducing when you were you fucked up or that you did you didn't see someone point something out it's like jesus i should have seen that why didn't i see that that was such a dumb thing to do or say but accountability if you can have that conversation and you can just take accountability for it that's okay you don't always have to have a full length like conversation about it it's also fun to just be like cool i fucked up i'm gonna now correct that thanks for pointing it out and i think there's a very big difference in criticism that is that or criticism that is helpful or in trying to educate or present a different perspective and then just people that are just angry at the world and listen the world's fucked up there's a wall and you're like cool this is a conversation there's a lot of reasons to be angry but like that is not about you really Mm -hmm. that is about Mm -hmm. that person and what they're dealing with in their life and how they're seeing the world and that's not yours to account for or try to fix Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your, uh, your world is bigger than at the end, not your world is bigger than their world. But what I, what I mean is like they, one hateful person, and this is separate from the example I gave. This is a different yeah, example. Totally. If there was, if there was somebody that was a complete asshat, their vitriol is not going to consume your world and it's not going to infiltrate your support system. It's mm-hmm. kind of ends in their own head. And, that is or like at their keyboard kind of thing. Yeah. The the thing that what you said about like it, it matters like your second action. There was I'll be very vague about it. There was a panel that was exposed as being lacking in representation recently. And mm. that company that's hosting the panel apologized in a very technically well-formed apology like you know the five-point apology that everybody Mm -hmm. kind of tries to follow the community that uh supported that that there was nothing wrong was to me the the very the second action that you're talking about because it speaks to what you've nurtured if i've nurtured in the collective this sort of like rhetoric of like there's are certain people that can't play this game or certain people that can't be in the space or whatever, then that's going to be, that's going to be the seed that's planted. And that's going to be what grows in that space. That is yeah. your second action because everything that you do, they're going to, they're going to latch onto that as like a gospel, like, Oh, they can do no wrong instead of what they tried to do to me, which was to try, try to come out with something where they were like, Oh, we didn't, 
do a good thing. And instead their community was like, don't listen to them. And it's like, they don't know what they're talking about. It's very, but again, it's very nuanced and it's okay to talk about this. That's the, that's the Mm -hmm. thing that I fucking, I, I love because this, this was something that I took away from Neopets. The dev team was very rightfully so very afraid of negative feedback Mm -hmm. and they didn't know what to do with that. And they didn't know how to like change their trajectory based on their, the anger of the people that they're trying to, that were considered fans of the IP. But I was like, why not? We should be able to talk about this shit. And like, you should be able to say like, oh, you know, I didn't even think about that. I am only one fucking person on a dev team. Like, I didn't think about all one million of you and your individual opinions and how each one is equally important in its own right. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I, it's it's beyond me. That's okay. And you can mm-hmm. make mistakes and you can have bad takes and you can receive feedback and change. And it's okay to talk about it. Like, you don't have to hide and rug sweep shit and be like, it, obviously, I'm very passionate about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's it's also, very normal, though. Like, it should be normal. You should be able to be messy. And I think normalizing yeah. that, like, again, rant for the psychology nerd within me. Um, Like, there's been a lot of discourse in recent years about things like cancel culture. And mm-hmm. like, if people make a mistake and like, again, not, not to get into the extreme examples of cancel culture, that's not what we're talking about right now. If someone <laughs> does something truly heinous, <laughs> keep them in the barn. Like, I'm not touching that. Yeah. I'm talking to people who yeah. like have made a mistake and then, but it's, it's the fear of like, okay, I can never make a mistake or now I must be perfect because if I mm-hmm. ever mess something up or make a misstep, I will never recover from it and everyone will turn on me and I'll be the villain and they'll hate me forever and run me out of town with torches and pitchforks. Mm-hmm. And like, that is a very real and like understandable concern. Now that doesn't mean you shouldn't take accountability for things or you shouldn't like do things, but it. And like we're, it's getting better, I think, but that is also an interesting that way to look at like why people react the way that they do because, yeah, of that fear or why people don't, don't do things or don't make things or pull themselves back mm-hmm. because they're, they don't know how it's going to be received. It's also kind of having enough foresight to know like, okay, I fucked up and we've seen this with countless people on the internet where it's like they fuck up, they try to cover up the fuck up. It inevitably gets revealed how they tried to cover mm-hmm. up the fuck up. And now they're in a deeper hole. And then the final apology they give, nobody cares to even accept because they've watched you make a clown of yourself trying to cover up and, you know, do damage control on the thing. When it's like, if you had just admitted from the beginning that you that you fucked up in an earnest and honest and genuine way. People will accept that much more willingly. And it's like, yes, if you lose some people, it's not the end of the fucking world. The people that understand that you are human will respect that you took accountability and stick with you. But, you know, if you do something really, truly fucked up, then you deserve what you get, I guess. But like, if it's, if it's, yeah, a, yeah. if it's a normal I mean, thing of like, I said something really stupid when I was fucking 13 on Facebook or some shit and I'm a completely different human, then yeah. it's like, yeah, acknowledge that what you said as a, as a, unlearned 13 year old was shitty and try and that you're trying to do better like that's the most you can do at that point but accountability is so huge and you will and you will avoid so much shit on the on the later end if you just own up to that shit as you do with life 
to be honest. Yeah. Cause that's what I was going to say. Like you can wind that back to like a very micro level of like, if someone in your life hurts you or betrays you in some way, and then they try to cover it up of like, in a lot of ways, it is the disrespect of the, like yeah. the high, the hiding it. That is as yeah. bad, if not worse than what originally happened. It's like, okay, we mm-hmm. could have worked through what you originally did, but now that you've tried to make a fool of both of us, like yeah. we can't move past this now. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's very like, it, I think there's like this fear that like everything is set in stone and, and at least like mm-hmm. the, the tabletop world, like you publish something and then that's it. There's nothing, there's like nothing that can be done after that. But as we've seen, like you have, you have itch who, where if you go on, um, on there to publish a game, you can change it and you can re-upload different versions and you can add addendums and BTM mm-hmm. added their erratas, um, for like adding things and taking away stuff. And you know, the whole, like when Paizo did the whole, Paizo did a whole fucking remaster and yep. mm-hmm. with understanding that there are things that like probably shouldn't be kept in the like general world of tabletop anymore. And, that's fine. Nothing is permanent. Yeah. And things age can... weird sometimes. Like yeah, everything exactly. doesn't age like wine. Some things age like bread and you got to adjust. <laughs> it's yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have a very different thing I've been wanting to talk about. Cause every time I see you, this is a, a very left field moment. I mean Perfect. to ask you to talk me through cozy horror and I forget okay. <laughs> every time. And so now okay, that we have absolutely. you, I must know. what cozy horror is (laughs) so for for me um cozy horror is so you've got like the aesthetic kind of cozy horror an example that i will give is the game a night in the woods that Mm, is a that is a very eerie kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat kind of game there's like you know hijinks afoot that you don't really know what's going on it's a mystery it can be a little like grim um mm-hmm. you know it, the themes are dark to me it's a that is considered there are horror elements in that game but it's also very cozy you have mm-hmm. that feeling like every time i see greg i'm just like oh my gosh this is the cutest I like know, i love night in the woods I, so much I, I i love it so much and it's that sort of like horror taking space where it typically doesn't belong is um, a really cool theme for me. It's why I also think that horror, when it's queer coded, is also like super important to the queer community. And like I, I saw like a video where somebody was saying that like the Baba Duke is a metaphor, I guess, for coming out of the closet. And I and yeah, and like having um like Pinhead from Hellraiser is like look into the BDSM and King community and talks about like themes of harm and consent and manipulation and it's you could do that with anything almost anything for me cozy horror became a kind of vibe i adopted in my twitch channel when i started playing phasmo and this was like in 20 the end of 2020 um i started playing phasmo and i didn't really have anybody to play with i'm a single mom so I don't really have like a whole lot of time to have like a social life. And also it was, you know, COVID. So I was playing Phasmo by myself and I would just, I decided to just like put lo-fi music on in the background while I was playing. And then I realized I could do it after my therapy appointments and talk to the ghosts as if I was like unloading what I learned in therapy. And it And it turned into like this whole like 
it allowed me to reflect on my session it gave me um it's basically a walking simulator because you're just wandering through houses yeah um, empty houses and it allowed me to sort of like engage in scary games which is something that i had always been kind of nervous to do and then we sort of like my chat started talking about mental health a lot and neurodiversity and like queerness and things to that are to me very cozy themes mm-hmm. and it just became this very like gentle place to be scared safely and that is what that's what cozy horror is to me that's kind of what i've just adopted on my channel that's incredible that is so much and playing phasmo with lo-fi music because like i love horror games i can't play Mm -hmm. them because i startle very easily even worse now that i have adrenaline issues so like i mean we've played oh what is it the dark it's not the dark anthology games is it the dark anthology games or there's like it the is curator. the dark anthology games yeah. yes we've played that like ollie and i and our other friends have played those and i start i start so well i'm like i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna see this one through and then as soon as things get tense and those quick time events start coming up i'm like pull my hand that controller to the left because i am out because uh, i will <laughs> fully freeze and not react appropriately and the person that we're attached to will die <laughs> but like yeah trying to play words with like some cozy lo-fi like music I'm like i love i love that that's really yeah. interesting it just it also like kind of forced me to enjoy spending time with myself that is something that was really really hard for me to do coming from like a very abusive marriage and very codependent mm-hmm. like background and dealing with a lot of narcissism and learning to like figure out who I was and learn to love myself and spend time with myself and appreciate my own company. And it just, I mean, there's also like the fear of, I just didn't want to deal with toxic lobbies, but Mm, at the end of the day, I decided to like, yeah, (laughs) I decided to like expand on that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And doing that live, like not knowing and joining like a toxic lobby, it just sucks. It doesn't feel good, but yeah, I got ego problems and I can't handle a 12 year old talking down to me, bitch. I can't Oh, he's I like, I will drive to Minnesota. I will drive to wherever this 12-year-old is located and give him a real talking to. I can't. No, I'm not allowed. Yeah. It's, but, and yeah, it, I love, I love it. It's something that I really just like started to just do with any scary game that comes up. I'm just like, how could I just make this like super soft? <laughs> Are there any games that, like horror games that you're, you want to play, but you're still nervous to play or that you're still trying to figure Ooh. out how to make? How to soften that edge. There are games that I don't think are meant to do that. Like, it's not meant to be soft. A For lot sure. of co-op. A lot of, yeah, like a lot of co-op games. Um, Phasma's a little different because you can play with one person. But, like, the Outlast Trials is not meant to be a gentle oh, no. game. Mm-hmm. True, <laughs> yeah. You can't lo-fi your way through that. No. no. And there <laughs> and there are games, there are games that are, like, meant to be experienced as they are visage is like one of the ones that i really appreciate for its jump scares aren't cheap for the most part and the story it's important to hear it like as it is mm-hmm. um in a really good example of a game that is a horror game solely on the theme of grief and loss but it is not a horror game is Greece. You play as a girl who has lost somebody um, who is depicted as a statue that's like shattered into pieces. And it's mm-hmm. a side scroller like puzzle game. It's beautiful. And the music, uh, I, I think I went on this like 40 minute tangent in the second part of my stream when I played it, where I just talked about the theme, like the the feelings that were being evoked through the music 
and how the music was touching the color theory in the game at the same time. And Mm. that kind of stuff you can't alter. You have to, you have to experience experience it for what it is. is. Mm -hmm. I would love this idea of cozy horror in a TTRPG. I have. Do you you know of one? (laughs) I know of a few. I'm going to think about them because I know that they, I know examples, but I can't think of the names, but I will plug a project I'm working on that also encapsulates that. One of the games that I'm working on is called Good Bones Underneath. And it's a two-person uh, tabletop game, tarot card-based, where somebody plays as a ghost haunting an old house, and somebody plays as the person that just bought the old house and is fixing it up. Wait. And the person that bought the house is escaping a bad situation, and the ghost that is haunting the house did not mean to die when they died. And it's a story, each, um, each card has a question for the person that draws it, whether it's the ghost or the homeowner. And together you rebuild a house over the course of a year. So you get 12 cards each and you answer questions and act out scenes. And there's like, it's, there's themes of like grief and loss and renewal and all this stuff that's super dark and depressing, but very cozy. That's precious. Um, And I love it. I love love it. I want to Thanks. I need playtesters. <laughs> I'm so. slamming my credit card on the table. <laughs> give, give it to us. Um, one of the, the names of one of the ones that I remembered, which is also a tarot-based game, is Black Mass is one of them. Mm-hmm. And that is a – now I want to look it up. It's a witch's game. It's, like, set in, like, during the witch trials. And it's – the art is, like, that old, like, woodblock style. This is sick. Yeah, yeah. And it's – it's um, <laughs> Like looking at the reflection <laughs> through Mariah's glasses. The way she's oh. <laughs> this looks cool. This looks rad as hell. Oh my God. Yeah, Black Mass is a really good example of a cozy horror tabletop game. Um, also, Old Cods of Appalachia is one that I I personally really love. I keep- hearing so many good things about it, and we need to pick it up. I've Will listened you- to a little bit of it. There was some scenes that are quite graphic. And I was like, well, this maybe wasn't the mental health day for me to listen <laughs> to this, but I want to, I want to actually get into it. Like my, my baby right now is, has been Magnus archives for like a bit. I am foaming at the mouth of our friend Oak mutually over like the Magnus protocol when they released that. And also like, I would love to start writing like a horror anthology esque uh, narrative podcast. And that would I think fun. like it's the interesting between, I don't know, like, a lot of those core principles of like really good horror of like not seeing the thing is scarier than seeing it and like yeah. what you leave out, what you describe explicitly and giving those moments of reprieve and humanity mm-hmm. for the people in there as well as so you can feel the loss of that when the spooks come and all of that is just so, so interesting. Like one of our, our best friends, Bex is like a long time horror lover and she and I have had like a lot of long convos about this driving back to Austin from Ollie's for D&D weekends. And the thing I really love about horror and love for a while, even when I couldn't really consume it, was horror has a way of distilling people down mm-hmm. to their base instincts and the core parts of the mm-hmm. portraits that sort of define them. So like how you react or the choices you make and certain games or situations and how you feel about things. It strips back 
a lot of the social niceties and the conditioning and what you feel like you should do. And like, Mm -hmm. you are just your core reactions. I think that is a really interesting place to tell stories. Mm, Yes, it is. I've, Oh, I fucking love it. It's so yeah. juicy. I love um the podcast recommendation for you. The Black Tapes is really scary and really good. And the guy's uh the guy's voice in it is just it's strawed level sexy. It's so good. Oh, you um, so yeah. yeah, I'm already there. <laughs> I knew I knew the buzzword. I, I knew the buzzword. <laughs> it's so what good. The, it's really, really good. What is the premise? Uh, of the the black premise tapes? is it is a fake studio that is it's like this legit studio and i'm doing air quotes with my fingers um mm-hmm. where the the a journalist a podcaster um is going to this man's house who um claims to have a million dollar reward for somebody who can anybody who can provide video evidence of something supernatural or paranormal that he can't debunk and mm-hmm. so far he has been able to debunk everything except for this closet full of black tapes. And it turns into this story of like, they're all kind of connected and they try to figure it out together. And there is a really steamy subplot. And it's, okay. yeah, mm-hmm. it does. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it's, it's really good. But to your point of like, it really strips people down. It's, I think sometimes the best horror stories are when the scary thing is so familiar to you. It's mm-hmm. like an, of course, that's what it is. Like yeah. if it's a part of you or if it's a fear you have, or if it's a trauma and that kind of story yeah. is just, I just, Oh, it, that's what it's... I really loved about Magnus and the way they personified the fears. Mm-hmm. Because I have not, I have not gotten into that. So I will have you, to, I'm going to add really that. All I still haven't <laughs> finished it. And I, I'm, okay. I'm holding now that she started Vox Machina, I now have to switch my mode of metaphorical gun to finishing Magnus. Because she yes. got me into it, and then I've finished I'm it. I'm pretty far in now at this point, though. And, like, I got my manager into Magnus, and then he finished it before me. And he's like, so are you done? And I'm like, homie, I'm on the third season. Like, and he's like, finish it now. And I'm like, I'm working on it, Chief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, No, it is, it is very good. They're also, like, so short, each one. So they're very mm-hmm. like easily digestible and quick bursts. So Ooh. if you you can you can sit down and listen to them in a long stretch of time. But if you're like I just got like a quick twenty minute drive, mm-hmm. I can get like two of these hoes in here. Oh yeah, it's that's amazing. That's, very that's good. what I want to do with writing like a narrative podcast because mm-hmm. I like the short bite size because it doesn't drag. And so yeah. you can just keep you don't run into that and they're easy to like, have, like make drop off. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, this looks what, this looks I, great. I sat on a at PAX. Me and Johnny went to a horror panel um, God, with like Spencer that. Stark and um, Sarah's Coffee and Banana Chan and like a couple other people who I'm forgetting their names now, but they were also like really incredible. And that was Johnny took a shit ton of notes, and I was like, "You're gonna send that to me because my fucking phone alarm went off in the middle of it, and I got like petrified, so I turned that shit off, and I was like, oh. I'm not gonna even dare look at my phone." The, the rest of this time but it was so good because they gave so much good advice one of of which i'll share of like i remember this one uh individual was like elaborating on descriptions and things and how impact like again the less is more aspect mm-hmm. of it and you know they gave the example of like you know i always hated my mother her fingers always bent the wrong way 
And like the the moment of like silence, and he's like, "Y'all had hella visuals in your brain, and I didn't have to really go deep into descriptions." Yeah, all of you pictured something, and it's totally different from each other. But like, what's going on in here is and that's a you problem. Mm -hmm. And that's a you problem now. (laughs) So just saying like little random things, and I was like, "Ooh, that's so good." Um, and then one of the other things, like, uh, to bring it back to TTRPGs and like horror and other things that I was like, I found super helpful. I had a lovely conversation with Sarah after the panel where I was like, Hey, I, I'm a first time GM. Like I started this year, really. So we're, we're about to have like our one year. And I had like a horror arc with, uh, Mariah's character. And one of the things I was struggling with was, intentionally causing consensual discomfort as in like this is it is a dark theme and where it's not meant to be cozy it's not meant to be comfortable yeah. there's villains like body horror and yeah body horror and like you know war crimes and shit mm-hmm. going on in here it's real real dark and i'm a chronic people pleaser so sitting at that at behind the dm screen and like describing things that i could tell were causing you know really disturbing visuals and seeing the discomfort play on my characters uh, my players faces and knowing that that's okay Mm -hmm. and like not trying to pull back because i'm like there's there's two wolves inside of me one is like i need to tell a good story the other part is like my friends are uncomfortable i need to stop (laughs) but like one is like please stop and the other is feast yeah and i'm like no i gotta like the me doing the discomforting thing is like the thing that is providing the joy right Mm -hmm. now and she gave me just like really really good advice in the sense of like just just it 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 genuinely is one of those things that's going to start coming with experience but then always making sure to like sit down afterwards and get that positive reinforcement from your players that it's like hey was everything good and like of course mariah was like that was like literally all my players are like that was the best session (laughs) i've ever played in period and so like that was validating and i think will make it easier the next time for me to like kind of play deeper in that space but like i genuinely enjoyed it it was just interesting to feel that in myself of like the the disparity of like wanting to pull back and needing to go harder Mm -hmm. yeah and it was helpful for me going into like running like our vampires campaign because like it it's a mix of like girly pop dating sim and court politics and then there's also going to be some truly unsettling things that happen because you're all monsters and with like crafting scary stories and things of knowing at least like with like our core because i have the same it's the same set of players that play in that strict saving game that played with me for vampires then it's like okay cool i i do have runway to lean in to this Mm-hmm. And like it is, it is feeling it and being like, okay, this, and it is still tough when you're doing it, but knowing that like we do have that, have that runway is comforting for me when I start bringing out some of the, some <laughs> the, of the big guns that I have. Exactly. I, I blind added our friend Oak, who is a perma DM and has a thing of just being a, a chaos goblin and doing some horrific <laughs> shit in games. And all I fully freaked out when I added him and I'm like, yeah. don't worry about it. He's just here for the information. <laughs> Because he's my he's my little tool in my back pocket when I'm trying to plot against y'all. So seeing him come into your game, it's like oh, this turn me, I don't like being on the other side of that coin. <laughs> yeah, because I like, know what that man's capable of. <laughs> scary man, scary when you don't know what he's yeah. going to be doing, huh? No, it's not supposed to be turned against me. 
<laughs> I don't know that's going to be turned against you. I still have to determine that. But. It fully will. I know that man well enough to know that he's just going <laughs> to creep into your fucking DMs when he sees you doing some shit. He's like, so I have a suggestion. I know exactly how that man works. <laughs> but it, but it's good that there's like trust established because you, you definitely need a table. You can't just like... I mean, I'm sure there you can fly by the seat of your pants and just jump into a horror game without knowing people. But mm-hmm. there takes like a certain amount of not just like negotiation beforehand, but the aftercare afterwards. Like you are totally. all engaged in this scary story. It's not just the players. It's not the DM. It's it's just there are a, there's a lot of shit. And it, like what you said, you felt like you're being pulled into two different directions where you were like, I want to go back because I love my friends, but I want to lean in because I love my friends. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. sort of like conflict requires like nurturing afterwards. Yeah. On all sides, truly. Yeah. And like that was another thing at that horror panel where obviously it was like very much emphasized like lines and veils and safety tools, especially when you're dealing with horror scenarios and knowing exactly where are you allowed to play within and constructing all of that juicy, juicy horror within the the comfort of the players. Because people that genuinely want to experience horror and those scary themes and whatever, like, know what they're there for. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you might find yourself in situations where it's like, hey, maybe they had one idea of this thing. And then once they got into it, they're like, oh, wait, hold on. This wasn't what I was imagining. And it's just, it's, it, it's just about the check-ins and making sure that's all well communicated. But mm-hmm. ideally, you want to find people that you are very, very comfortable with uh, because mm-hmm. not only is it the comfort on the DM side of like knowing I can go hard without like causing harm but then also having the comfort of the players being comfortable enough to voice when something has gone too a little too far because the communication side has to come both ways yes yeah, yeah. And it's like what we say with a lot of like finding the right table and compatibility and stuff that I think I've mentioned this before. If like there's a thing in the Vampire the Masquerade like source book at the very beginning where it's effectively saying like there are a lot of forms of of horror in the world and there's a lot of real life horror and then there's, you know, the horror that we use to construct stories. And you do not have to use things or feel like you you shouldn't try or feel like you are only limited to certain numbers of things. There are a lot of different ways to evoke tension and anxiety or fear if that's what your party wants but mm-hmm. in knowing the flavor of that that they're mm-hmm. open to and what they're not and what you're open to and what you're not is really important it's like i've been there's a bit in magnus as well where like after every season the creators will go and like talk through things and jonathan Jotty, the guy that wrote it who's like he, he used his full government name as like his name is Jonathan Sims and the guy that is the archivist is Jonathan Sims. He's like, that's a bold mm-hmm. choice I made. But aside from that <laughs> of like, he talks about like writing the different fears and it, it being a thing of like, if it doesn't unsettle you when you're writing it, then you're not doing it right. And it's like, yes, mm-hmm. but also there are, <laughs> there are lines and you, you have to know where it's like, you don't have to do everything. You can just pick a handful of things that are unsettling mm-hmm. and go yeah. with that. Yeah. And also uh, so, so on the flip side, cause I was like, when you asked me what I wanted to talk about, I was like, I could totally talk about this. The on the flip side, horror can be really fun and like mm-hmm. kind of kind of sexy like oh yeah it, 100%. <laughs> oh yeah like there it's is something nice <laughs> stop yes yeah <laughs> yeah there's something i want to be, to be aroused exactly yes exactly. exactly 
There is something to be said about the design of a truly deplorable monster where I'm just like, I can fix him and like, oh, yeah, no, have that, all, have that energy. I it's it, for me. It's, yeah. Strong. And it's almost yeah, exactly. It's I'm so, <laughs> it's so fun to like have to be able to lean into like that very problematic, obviously. Obviously, this is with the consent of everybody involved mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. understanding that you shouldn't be a shitty person. But there also, is don't something do this in real life. This is just for yeah, fantasy. This exactly. Yeah. We love our problematic, morally gray men in fiction, <laughs> not reality. Yeah, not exactly. Reality. But even beyond even beyond evil men, freaking monsters like yeah. there is something oh, to yeah. be said about leaning into horror in such a raw like De- truly deplorable way where you're just like a, t- a thousand eyes tentacles uh horns smash. like a spe- smash yeah it's this is something that my, my a, partner like I'm an endless font of creativity let's get it <laughs> he likes to get on my case well not get on my case he likes to tease me very fun like it's funny it's we're mm-hmm. roasting <laughs> um, about how all i want to do is like marry centipedes and i'm just like yes and like mm. there's yeah they're so and the issue is where nowhere it, it's it because also of a long body it's uh, you know what? I think so. The in this case, there were it was a giant centipede that was okay. um that was guarding the entrance to a like cave that the party had to go down. Mm-hmm. And my character was like this um sylph character that rode on a bumble cloud that was called Thunder Thunder Bumble, I think. And yeah, and they were really cute. And their their name was Periwinkle Zephyrus. And they convinced the centipede, like, I'm going to come back for you. And I'm going to marry you. Like, I'm going to give you a life, like a good life. And I'm (laughs) going to like, buy you jewelry for every one of your legs. I think it's just good. (laughs) It's good. good I I think it's the the danger, the danger, like, this giant centipede and you can imagine like pincers and like you know mm-hmm. like disgusting fluids and like coming from the mouth and stuff it's so gross and it's and you're like that's there's a no that he is could a kill husband. me but he chooses not to and there's i don't know if it's something like i feel like i i feel like people can resonate with this there is something about leaning into that disgusting dumpster sludge in your brain that you scoop out from the corners that you have not cleaned in mm-hmm. years and yeah. you just nurture that and it's, it's free. fun because oh, yeah. it's a game it's a fucking game yeah. yeah yeah and it's 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 just like you don't have to take life is already a shit show and it already mm-hmm. sucks and it's already hard for a lot of people and it doesn't have to be hard and it doesn't have to be scary in the game you can still go up against like everything and be like yeah but like is it romanceable (laughs) yeah exactly and that's another part of horror that is just i love talking about (laughs) oh yeah i i fully like am a canonical monster fucker we'll say that with my whole chest but i've I've met so many especially like so many women and like feminine presenting and queer folk that are also like in that vein and especially like with fan fiction and all all those great avenues and i had a great conversation one time with a friend of mine because we were trying to discuss it as like okay but why why are Mm -hmm. we so down atrocious this way (laughs) and i was like i had an interesting little tidbit of personally for me it's the element of like at like and this is coming from my experiences as a spam woman but the experience of like you know men cis men in particular like 
tend to hide their danger and you can't really dictate who is dangerous from whom. And that's why we kind of live in the state of hypervigilance. It's kind of comforting to see the danger fully depicted mm-hmm. and know what you're getting into going in. That's yeah. what you meet first. It's not behind mm-hmm. a veil. Yeah. And I'm like, I know exactly what I'm getting into at face value. And then mm-hmm. there's the element of like, like, like Mariah said of like, it could choose to kill me, but it doesn't. And that makes me feel special. Yeah. <laughs> and, I feel that. I feel that. And there's a sense of, <laughs> there's real. a sense of control there too, right? Cause it's a, it, when you're in a game and you're playing like a Curse of Strahd game and you're like, I'm gonna, my goal is to bard that man up. Like I am going to seduce like, Strahd. That's wife. exactly. Yeah. And the, the cool part, the, this is something that, that I find, I take away. This is why I say the BDSM and the tabletop community mm. is sometimes a circle. That Venn diagram is sometimes a circle. And there is something, there's a sense of reclamation that comes with actually having complete control over a situation. And that sort of mm-hmm. safety, especially if you have experience like like I do in SA and just like that sort of just mm-hmm. really dangerous kind of not uh, feeling trauma. safe in your own body or like around yes. in yeah. especially Ex- sexual situations. Exactly. So to be able to explore those themes safely and safely. have complete yes. control of that situation and you get if as long as you trust your table and that's negotiated that you can like red card, you can X, you can do you can you can cash in those safe words and you're good. There's nothing's going to happen to you. And mm-hmm. I love that I can be completely free to do to make the the choices i want to make and that ends up being that i am choosing a very despicable per character to like romance but like i'm good that's yeah i'm reclaiming that that something that had been taken from me and Mm -hmm. that to me is like really powerful and it's fucking awesome that tabletop games can do that and i think it's really it speaks a lot to people who aren't uh cishet men that are in the space that they feel represented in not just the outside in characters and just aesthetically but like stuff that has been taken from them can be reclaimed and yeah. that is like super powerful and to me tabletop is like the best form of art activism and i will yeah. die on that hill i love that yeah the reclaiming and then also just like i mean we all joke about it but it's very it's very valid and true of like pro- sometimes processing your traumas through it and mm-hmm. and he- like having a modicum of healing of like or facing your demons in a literal in like a a literal sense a of like, the story and giving them space, manifestation yeah. and then vanquishing it and then you know re- like you said regaining that power we actually just had a really really great <laughs> experience this past weekend where this past weekend was our D weekend and we ended our Strixhaven session a little early and we had a, our friend Alyssa who was like well I, she's had this one shot that we've been trying to find time to play when we're all together and she's like well since we finished early we could get my one shot done and we're like fuck yeah and so we're like making characters and whatever and as we're like sitting there rolling through it and deciding which characters we were going to do our friend bex was like i think i'm gonna play tanari like our old ravenloft character from the campaign that we like left to go form mm-hmm. this one which was like a a pretty toxic scenario that we left to go build this this new thing when bex said tanari I had the moment of like, oh shit, I want to play Cadence. And then Mariah was like, I'm going to play Eva. And then Alyssa had a moment where she was like, oh shit. Because then her character is in the one shot. So she had the realization of like, 
they're all going to see each other at some point in this one shot. And we just made the canon of like, this is alternate universe. They're lower level. They haven't gone to Ravenloft yet. They're yeah. so happy. <laughs> they're just a yeah. little party. We're all from Eberron. Uh, it's fine. We're all from Eberron and we're all in like a shitty little guild together doing little bumfuck quests or whatever. <laughs> and we go, and we go do it. We complete the quest and it, we went to like her character's clan essentially mm-hmm. and got to meet like got to see the manifestation of this clan that we've been hearing about across all of her characters because all of her characters belong to this clan across every game she's ever played mm-hmm. uh, so it was super cool to see that like in the game and then when we rejoined with her character who's now older she like basically like is old and escaped ravenloft essentially mm-hmm. but like the canon of our characters in Ravenloft is real gruesome. Like, my character fully Damn. died, was betrayed by Bex's character. Eva gets decapitated. Like, real dark yeah. shit. Oh, no. Eva was going to die, and then I had a, um, like, my character Anya that I play now in Strixhaven is a reborn because I had planned to play Neris, who was a reborn and Strahd's creature. And it, she'd been his reborn, like, his spy and stuff, like, 400 years. And every time she would catch on, he would just kill her again to reset her memory. So she was a psycho. Yeah. And so she was going to end at some point where she'd probably either betray the party or be killed by Strahd. But Eva was going to be killed pretty horrifically in front of the whole party so that mm-hmm. I yeah. could step into So then this version of her of Alyssa's character, who's now old, who's made it out of Ravenloft, is seeing young, happy versions of her old yeah. party, who oh. she saw, like, meet really gruesome ends. And she we had, like, such a great little interaction of her, like hearing my my i played a bard warforge mm-hmm. so hearing her music again and be like it's been so long since i've heard that tune and then Ooh. sitting together and her telling them about like everything that happened in ravenloft and giving them a warning of like you know when the goddess that sent us to ravenloft comes turn her down because mm-hmm. nothing is worth your life and your happiness and we I was so crying. sat there Sobbing. I was fully crying. Sobbing. Oh my gosh. I love uh, we that. Like, we loved these characters so mm-hmm. much. I'm literally tearing up right now. We love these Say. characters so much. Um, and because of like extraneous situations uh, with the dynamics of people in that group, mm-hmm. us having to make decisions to like call that campaign because like the campaign was so good. The game was so good. Yeah. We stuck out an unhealthy situation for longer than we should have because we loved the game. Yeah. We didn't want to lose these characters. So, like, us yeah. having left, this was, yeah. like, such a good moment. And I was like, oh, and I was like, was like so good. I know for me, after we left, like, I had a very hard time making a character when Ollie got to play Strict, like, starting gearing up to play Strixhaven because I was just so apathetic about it. Because Ravenloft had gotten so bad. And it was yeah. hard to see how something could be better. And so, yeah, like having this real moment of closure with these characters that like we haven't played in, in so long was both devastating like, and wildly years. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that the whole fo- like fostering that that dynamic of like getting that power back of having good people at your table is mm-hmm. like that yeah. must have been so empowering yeah it was very good closure for both like our characters and us as players being like we did the right thing yeah i love that yeah super good (laughs) and on that note we've definitely gone over (laughs) our time (laughs) but oh yeah such a good combo i'm not mad about it 
Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Erin, uh, for yeah, this lovely, lovely chat. Um, I was nice looking forward to it literally the whole time. <laughs> If you want to give us one last little shameless plug, tell people where they can find you as well as plug your TTRPG collective and the awesome things that they're doing. Um, yeah, sure. So you can find me um, on Twitch at Aaron, my laundry, and you can also find me on Evandale, um, my partner's channel. I'm in, I'm in all the games and I work behind the scenes a lot. On threads and Instagram, it's underscore Aaron My Laundry because somebody took it. Right. And uh, I know. And you um, can find the collective on Discord, but go to threads or Instagram, TTRPG Collective, and there is a link there for you to join or just like ask anybody. I'm not going to say ask anybody in the tabletop, indie tabletop scene, but <laughs> honestly, the, I, there's, it's like a six degree of Kevin Bacon. If you need to know anybody, you can ask somebody and somebody knows somebody that knows that person. If you and the throw same a with the collective on threads, yeah. you will Don't hit somebody hit that's the 300 there. human souls that are a part of the collective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, that's, yep, that's where I am. All the time. <laughs> Beautiful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been another episode of Table Talk, and we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Table Talk is a podcast brought to you by Mythos Media Productions, bringing you a new episode every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at Table Talk RPG, or check us out at our website, mythosmediaproductions.godaddysites.com. All business inquiries can reach out to us via email at info at mythosmediaproductions.com.